everyone welcome to the very first podcast from Puget Sound PMI the northwest chapter of project management institute I'm your host Jayanti Janikraman VP of marketing a little bit about myself I'm a certified project manager with technical background I gained proficiency in this discipline by working on transformational and business benefiting programs in technology focused companies Currently I'm a group project manager at T-Mobile. Co-hosting with me today is Catherine Boyd. Catherine has a master's in public administration and is a certified project manager with 15 years of experience on the field. She owns HiSayon Northwest, a project management services company specializing in government projects. The topic for the series is work-life balance during the pandemic. and there is no one better than our guest speaker Brian Fleming to help us navigate through the same Brian is a senior vice president of technology leading the shared services and billing domains within T-Mobile's product and technology organization recently his responsibilities increased to include IoT and T-Mobile for business before taking on his current responsibilities Brian led T-Mobile's billing transformation which supports T-Mobile's prepaid subscriber base Brian has led several organizations such as engineering and procurement within T-Mobile to excellence. T-Mobile's fiber to cell program under Brian is a key foundational piece of America's fastest 4G network. He led key strategic initiatives for T-Mobile such as T-Mobile small cell program and digital transformation in IT. He continues to drive various cost saving programs delivering more than 1 billion in savings. To us Brian is a fearless, innovative and inspiring leader known for investing in people as much as transformation, innovation and technology. When you read that off all at once, uh you might get the perception that that's you know, I'm doing all that now all at once. That's <laughs> that's actually, you know, a list of things that I've I've done over my I can't even think now. Uh 20 21 years with T-Mobile. So um I balanced it by spreading it out over 21 years some of that. Um so if the if the uh, the question is more around, you know, kind of work life balance, um uh I'm I'm probably in the camp that says um uh work life balance really doesn't exist. Right? Um uh, because the way if you say it that way, it it feels like you have to have a trade off, right? Work and life are are two different things and They're actually not they're actually integrated so um really what you have to be committed to is uh when you're at work uh you're at work and then when you're um dealing with uh, your life outside of work um and your family or hobbies or friends uh you have to be equally committed while you're there okay and and that also you know means flexibility i mean there's going to be times where um uh work is is the the dominant uh focus and in other times you know uh, life outside of work is the dominant focus so you just have to you know really be organized and, and planful and um uh, to be able to be um good at both right. have you had any experience where you felt oh i have to give this up to make that other happen like in both personal or work Yeah, I mean I, I well, I mean I'm sure there's there's always trade-offs that you have to make. I mean, you can't you can't do everything. Um 
And, you know, I'm, you know, by no means am I an expert of, of balancing and, and making, you know, trade-offs, you know, just like everybody else. Um, you know, you'll always, you know, maybe index a, a little harder one way or the other. Um, but again, I think it just depends on, you know, what the focus is. Um, and I think, you know, when, when you think about work and, uh, you know, the trade-offs that you have to make there, um, it, it's really about prioritization. What's most impactful for the business um, is what you really need to focus on. And for me, it's, it's a, you know, it's about planning, right? You know, everybody has a, a laundry list of things to do. And, um, you know, I'm pretty sure regardless of where you're at in any position or if you own your own business, uh, I'm pretty sure you have a list of 100 things, right? Um, now you just have to go with the mindset that, uh, um, that you're confident that you prioritize correctly. So that way, you know, if you have 100 things to get done that day, if you got the top three or four done, because those are most impactful, you know, that's a successful day. Um, versus looking at the opposite, saying I went in with a list of 100 and I only got three done. What inspires you to wake up every morning and come in? Well, I mean, I can, I can give you a, a flip answer, which is, you know, the reason why I get up and go to work every day is money. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you have to, you know, earn to make a living. You know, I'm not going to do it free. Um, but, you know, part of that, of course, is true. But uh, the other part is, um, you know, you have to be committed to what you're doing, right? Um, I've been in, um, I was fortunate enough to get into the wireless industry at a, at a young age, um, you know, uh, and, it, you know, I've seen it grow from, you know, only having a few of the cities uh, covered uh, with uh, with wireless service. Um, I worked on uh, the first network in Chicago back in 1988 to where we see it today, where um, most of the population is covered uh, with, uh, with wireless network and, you know, mobility and, um, you know, being able to um, use your wireless devices to connect to the internet is where we've evolved and, and it'll continue to evolve because it's going to be important. So um, I've just been very fortunate to be in an industry that, um, you know, I've been passionate about. Um, who do you look up to um who do you consider as your idol or your inspiration you know my work ethic and, and and how i go about things you know is really attributed to you know um to my background and my childhood uh and um you know my interaction with with my father and, and my grandfather so uh my grandfather is you know at uh at what age was it? 50, 56, 57 years of age, decided to open up his own foundry um, and, you know, employ, um, you know, some of my, my uncles. And he worked uh, pouring hot metal till he was uh, 89 years old. Uh, got up every day to work, uh, you know, a really giving man, um, always willing to help uh, the people, encourage them. Um, but the other thing to do is he also, you know, had a, uh, a, an innate ability to, to see, you know, or kind of understand what people's unique uh, capabilities were. And um, like for me, um, one of the things I always wanted to do was work in that foundry with him because I admired him. 
And he was the first one that says, you're not going to work in the foundry. Uh, you need to go to school and you need to focus on that in sports and uh, you're not going to work for me. For those of you who don't know, Brian uh, is a football player and he still loves uh, football. Was he Hawks? Um, so then, <laughs> Brian... Well, um, uh, let's clarify one thing. I'm, I'm <laughs> no longer a football player. Uh, I, yeah, I would love to be a football player at my age, but uh, not currently. So. And I know that you are passionate about continuous learning and you always instill upon us, uh, your team members, to say that you have to continuously improve yourself. You have to focus on making sure that you are up to date in technology and other things that you're passionate about. Can you uh, speak a little bit about um, that? Um, you know, the philosophy I have is, um, you know, the world is, is in constant change, right? It doesn't matter what industry that you're in. Um, technology will influence it, um, you know, free market conditions will influence it. Um, financial markets will influence it. Competition will influence it. And to go into the mindset that, you know, if you're doing well, um, that just keep doing what you're doing and everything will be fine um, is a, a real archaic philosophy. Um, I've had plenty of conversations over the course of my career leading teams where uh, there are particular functions where you know it will be automated. And um, having those conversations up front um, with the individuals with enough ramp time for them to learn new skills or to think about new careers is really important. Now, uh, the uh, as direct as you can be and <clears throat> in, in, in encouraging people to, to think a little more broadly, um, it's, you know, it's challenging for some people to do that. And I've seen plenty of folks that um, didn't take that guidance. And, uh, you know, I personally had to let them go because their jobs were eliminated and they couldn't provide for the family. And it took them two, three, four years to get, to get work. Um, so um, that to me is, is something that you always have to kind of think through, right? Um, so always change. Right, and that's the same thing that you know I've done throughout my career. Um, I've had different crossroads where I've had to make a decision. You know, from the very beginning, where I was doing a, a summer internship at Ameritech uh, Cellular in Chicago, and I was also working uh, uh, nights in a uh, corrugated box factory. And there was a point where I just physically couldn't work uh, 19 hours a day. <laughs> And uh, so I had to make a choice. And I chose the lesser paying job at that particular point, which was with Ameritech, because I saw the future with wireless, uh, you know, at 19 or 20. And, uh, you know, uh, the feedback I got at that time uh, wasn't pleasant for my, my family because I thought I was short-sighted taking the easy way out. Um, but I made a choice uh, because I felt that that was the future. And the same thing has occurred throughout all my career. Uh, you know, thinking, okay, what do I want to do next? And are, where can I go get some additional skills? So I went from designing wireless networks to building wireless networks. So building wireless networks to operating them, to then coming back and do strategy and doing, you know, contract and finance and so on. And then, you know, the jump I made over into product and technology, it wasn't by accident. Um, 
you know, a lot of what was happening in the wireless networks and what you see in uh, business today, everything is software driven. So it was important, at least for me, to, to continue to remain relevant and learn new skills. And that was to move over and, and get into uh, software development, product development, and um, and really uh, understand what it took to, to build and, and to operate a technology stack uh, for a large corporation. Ryan, you've talked a lot about the need to evolve and change um, to keep your yourself, your skills relevant. Um, I think one thing we've all been doing is having a really sudden evolution with the uh, pandemic and the stay-at-home orders and a lot of the virtual work that we've been doing. So I'm wondering, what have you and T-Mobile learned during this, the pandemic and the, and the way you're doing business? And has your company's view on remote working changed during that time? Yeah, it's actually uh, changed dramatically. Um, if we can uh, rewind back to, um, I'll even say March 3rd of this year, um, T-Mobile was a, a very in-person culture. Uh, it was a requirement that you would be in the office um, because we felt that there was value uh, in collaborating and, and being in the same space. Um, and it was it was so prevalent within the culture uh, that it was um, uh, it, you know um, it was um, almost uh, you know like a like white blood cells rejecting a virus that if you had a, a remote worker um, uh, they, they weren't included. Um, it wasn't malicious or or anything of that nature. It was because you saw everybody every day and if you know, Jane or Bob weren't, weren't there. It was out of sight, out of mind. Like they weren't even part of the team. Um, so that was the culture before. Um, and then you go from March 6th on where we shut down our offices. Um, we have uh, transitioned uh, to being a remote workforce. Uh, I think, you know, with the relative, you know, you know in, a, in a flawless way. So, uh, you know, almost everybody is, is working remote. Uh, we only allow roughly um, no more than 10% of a building occupancy, you know, for, uh, for employees that do have to go in the office because if it's more conducive for them to work, uh, but majority of the workforce is still remote. Um, if you think about, you know, when we, we started this, uh, none, of our calls, none of our care centers had the capability to support remote workers. And within a matter of, uh, three to four weeks, we had the whole uh, workforce working remotely. So now uh, what you're seeing is we're successful at doing it. Um, it's something, quite frankly, I never thought we would be, we would do. Um, but, you know, uh, with the new world, it's something that we have to consider and, and figuring out what the right flexibility is for our workforce uh, uh, to not only remain uh, productive, but also to maintain the the team of culture. What are the skills you think leaders should actually learn through this whole experience in the past few months? So they have to hold on to those tightly going forward. Uh, do you mean from, is there something different that the, uh, the leaders have to do with a remote workforce? Is that yes. the question? Yeah. The only thing that really comes to mind is, um, again, just kind of going back to not being in person is, you know, being very planful and mindful of staying connected with your team. I think that's uh, the the most important uh, part of it, um, and being able to to provide real feedback and, and guidance. Right. Um, so again, being remote, it's a little more of an effort, right? 
Um, but, you know, you also have to kind of consider, you know, um, going overboard a little bit as well. Because, uh, you know, uh, you know, when you're first starting this uh, stuff, um, you, you probably over index um, with meeting more than you need to. So it's again, being planful and, and, and just staying connected in the right way. So do you see that that is going to be a new normal or is it going to be something different? Mm, I don't have a good answer for that. I mean, I think everybody will get into a groove um, and, um, and figure out what's right for, for each individual. I think that's the point, right? Which is, um, you, you know, being a leader, you have to actually know your team. Uh, so, uh, but at least the, your direct reports, right? Um, really um, know your team uh, and know what each individual needs from you. Um, and, and that, you know, that's beyond work, right? So you have to have uh, an open enough relationship and good communication. So, you can kind of pick up on if there is something that's happening outside of work, um, you can provide, you know, whatever the right support is or, or room for um, that individual to, to be able to handle that. Um, can you speak a little bit about how you have morphed to make sure that you're still doing all that you want to do for your family, given that it has been kind of a crazy few months? Uh, I don't have a, a, a secret formula for it. Um, and I would tell you if I graded myself week to week, you know, some, some weeks that, you know, I'm, you know, maybe give myself an A and others I'll give myself an F. Um, I, I think it's just trying to get more consistent with it, uh, more than anything. And, um, uh, it is easy, uh, to just get into a routine and not break from it. So, uh, Great example is uh, not a great example, but an example is you know uh, since COVID, um, I think what past weekend was the first time we went out to dinner. So those are things that you know to just break monotony and make sure you're making time to go do other things is important. Uh, you know for both mental and physical health. Yeah, you've talked a lot about having a really long career in this industry, Brian. You know, 21 years with um, T-Mobile and in the the, um, the cellular industry. Before you exit the industry, what's one mark you want to make? I think there's there's a lot of firsts that I've been able to um, uh, be part of, uh, and, and it's not solely driven by me, but being actually part of you know uh, a team of really great people and leaders. So. I don't think there's another business objective that I have out there other than, you know, the support what we're trying to do at T-Mobile, which is to become the number one, you know, wireless uh, uh, carrier in the U.S. And, and maybe even put an aspirational goal out there, not to, to speak for our CEO, but, you know, to be the number one conversion telecom company in the U.S. Um, but besides the business goals, I mean, I think the, the key thing for me um, that I want to look back at is um, the people I had fortunate enough working on my teams, um, have they been able to achieve their career aspirations um, and, and, or, and or personal aspirations? Um, so always, you know, um, try to, you know, call keep a scorecard, but keep tabs and, and see where people are um, that I've worked with over, over the years. Um, I think you did inherit from your grandfather the ability to um, identify a person's potential and guide them through that. Uh, we have seen that in our organization. 
and I know there are a few folks who have left T-Mobile and moved on, but still remember you for um, those uh, encouragements and uh, prod and push towards the right direction for their career. Uh, what is the risk that you took on uh, recently and uh, what are the types of risks that people should actually take right now in this situation? Good. Uh, uh, I, I can't even think of one um, that comes to mind, right? I haven't risked it all in a while. Um, um, I would probably say the, the most recent risk was, you know, what we, we did with the billing transformation. Um, uh, there were a number of leaders that had led that that weren't able to get that launched. And, you know, I, I jumped at the opportunity to go do that. Um, and we were able to pull that off, right? Um, so could have failed and, you know, that could have ended the career. I don't, I don't know. But, uh, you know, uh, I think, you know, <clears throat> probably the, the question you're, you're trying to get to is, you know, maybe, you know, how do you identify those opportunities um, as they come uh, in front of you? And, you know, for me, it's... Uh, I always refer back to kind of what, you know, what do I want to achieve long-term? And if the see or that is presented to me, does that help me get to where my long-term goal is? And if it does, I'll, I'll take the risk and jump, you know, regardless if I have the skills to go do it. Um, I believe that, you know, uh, if you're dedicated and committed, um, you know, maybe outside of, you know, uh, uh, performing brain surgery or, Flying the space shuttle, normally you can probably learn it and be successful at it. So, so what we're doing, you know, what we're going through right now uh, with the pandemic is, you know, we haven't gone through it before. You know, I'll be honest with you. I, I, if someone would have, you know, when I was younger, said, "Hey, you know, when you're older, you're gonna you're gonna have to deal with a pandemic," um, I would have gone, "No way." Not in 2020. There's no way you're gonna do that. Um. So we're in uncharted waters, right? And people are, are handling um, the environment differently. Um, there are, you know, um, not only single parents, but also uh, parents that have, you know, um, uh, that are both working and have to deal with the jobs. And, and then also, um, you know, dealing with, you know, getting their, um, kids on to online classes with Zoom and stuff like that. And that is stressful as can, can all be, right? And um, the best thing that we can do from, from a leadership perspective is um, just be thoughtful and understanding of what everyone's going through. It's really stressful, number one. Number two, offer the flexibility as much as you can. And then three, just kind of reinforce uh, you know, to your team members who are in that situation that there are a ton of resources that companies provide um, and be open, you know, with uh, with your leader as far as the challenges that you're going through. Um, no one's expecting you to do it on your own. And, you know, I would say that there are, you know, we've had a couple of folks uh, on the team that have resigned because it was so overwhelming. And, uh, you know, even when we've offered, you know, for uh, the individuals to um, go on family leave, you know, uh, so that they can go, you know, take a couple months to see if they can get into a routine that they felt they can come back to work on. Um, we didn't take it. There were just, 
you know, they were committed to their family, which I, I um, you know, I'm definitely a fan of. But you also saw that, you know, the amount of stress and anxiety that they were going through as well. So, you know, again, just provide the right support. Um, make sure that uh, you leverage your communication channels and, and uh, you know, give your leaders the opportunity to help you. You raised kind of an interesting question of um, people's career plans changing really abruptly during the pandemic, you know, staying home to take care of kids or maybe a, a job you were planning on didn't materialize suddenly because of the, the economic changes that are, that are accompanying the pandemic. If someone happens to be in a lull in their career right now, do you have any suggestions on skills that they might want to hone? I will, I will tell you, um, I, will, I will always drive this and I, and I do this with, with my two sons as well which is uh, stay really close to technology, right? Um, uh, we have to be committed to being a knowledge economy. And that means investing in STEM. So sciences, engineering, you know, all the technology stuff. Uh, we have to drive intellectual property. We have to drive technology, science, and advancements. Um, if we can manufacture it, you know, for me, that's a nice to have. But I wouldn't pivot on that. Um, you know, um, software and technology is continually going to integrate in our lives. And if you want a, a career that, uh, as long as you're committed to continually learning new technology, uh, that you don't have to be worried about, um, you know, folks in that space. And, you know, the, the good thing about it, too, is, you know, what, over the course of the last kind of five, seven years, um, you know, access to that technology or that, uh, those, those training courses to gain those skills is more readily, readily available now than it's ever been. Typically, if you wanted to go get, learn to program or get a computer, a computer science degree, you had to go to a four-year university or do night school and sit. Now, for 250 bucks, you can access, you know, a whole library of, uh, of courses and, and exercises like on Coursera or Pluralsight. And you can actually see um, how your skill matches against the, the total population that uses that platform. So you can actually see, um, you know, how you're performing with the rest of your cohort. So again, there's so many uh, resources out there today um, for you to do, uh, you know, for you to upskill, um, you know, you just have to look for them. Our viewers and listeners are probably either if they're not if they're not project managers, they're probably very project management um, adjacent. Um, and I'm I'm wondering, there's a few specific credentials that are relevant to our field that I'm wondering if I can get your feedback on, or what, what do you think when you see this on someone's resume? So, uh, the one that comes to mind first is the um, the PMP certification, the project management professional, and then all the other, you know, variations on that. Is that something you'd recommend a project manager get? And how, how does that affect you when you, when you see that credential on someone's resume? It's important. It's important to me uh, uh, as long as it's tied to experience, mm -hmm. right? Um, because that, to me, that's, that just tells me that the individual is investing uh, in themselves and, you know, part of keeping up that, that certification is ongoing uh, training and, and so forth. So, um, 
uh, of course, any certification that you get is important, um, along as long as it's coupled with with experience. Now, there there are a couple certifications out there. We won't name them uh, that you can go do an online course, and you're not required to have experience like you do with with uh, PMP and so forth. And um, you know, uh, companies get uh, enamored by that. Um, but nine times out of ten, if you've never applied that. Uh, that course uh, or that learning in, in real life, uh, you are set up for epic failure. What about, there's a master's class at the University of Washington that um, several of my colleagues have taken. I'm wondering if you have any, uh, what, what sort of impression you have of that uh, opportunity? You know, again, I'll, I'll go back to, you know, um, making commitments to, in, you know, improve yourself uh, is, is really important to, you know, that I look at because, you know, again, you're committed to continually doing, your, you know, your skills. Um, and when you talk about, you know, going back for, for a master's degree, um, for me, it's about um, timing and what you're hoping to get out of it, right? Timing meaning, um, you know, some, you know, there's a good number of master's degrees that will only add value uh, if you're at a certain point in your career, right? So a good example for me, or, you know, some examples for me are um, why go get an MBA uh, if you're not in management or you're not in a position that you can actually exercise those skills that you're learning in the classroom every day, right? So that's super important. Um, so if you're going to go get a master's in, in program management, um, but you're not actually practicing the discipline uh, you're going to go through the motions, you're going to get to the degree, and then inside of a few months, you're going to forget everything that you learned, right? And you get no benefit out of it. Um, but if you're in the field, definitely do that. Um, and the the thing that maybe folks, you know, when they're contemplating whether they go get an advanced degree, they're like, oh, what, you know, is, is the money worth it or not? Um, there's really two components when you think about it. One is definitely the... Um, you know, the education that you're getting, maybe on new, new ways of approaching things and so on. But the other thing that I know a lot of universities do good when they're choosing their cohort for the class is they make sure they have a pretty diverse um, uh, class coming in, you know, that, and that could be, you know, um, gender, ethnicity, uh, and also, you know, uh, professional background on industry. And when I went and got my MBA, one of the greatest benefits I got out of it was being part of a team of uh, individuals that come from a bunch of different backgrounds and just to see how um, other individuals might have thought about the problem, uh, thought about solutions, what was important to them, you know, looking at through, through, through their lens. And I would say that was probably the greatest benefit I got out of a master's degree, you know. Right. The, the, the technical stuff that you get from the classes are really good as well, but it's just that, that cohort, that diverse, diverse uh, viewpoints on, on how to solve problems was, was probably the, the biggest one for me. I had a similar beneficial experience in getting my master's in public administration. Um, what do you see as the future for project management? Well, um, uh, you're still so you're going to need it. Um, <laughs> That's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, unless, unless we all of a sudden figure out that robots can do everything humans can do, right? 
<laughs> I hope not. We <laughs> uh, turn individuals that were an individual can do uh, work of a team of 20 or 100 or whatever. So, um, you know, again, the, you know, the, the importance of project management for me is, you know, we, we're, you know, in, in any business, right, you're going to have teams working uh, to deliver a business outcome. Uh, and it could be in technology, it could be in HR, marketing, whatever it is. And to really be planful about it, um, to really make sure that, um, you know, there are agreed upon key milestones and, and, and outputs is, is super important. And then, you know, the other key piece, you know, that a lot of folks forget um, uh, that is a key component for me for project management is uh, the measurement of the process and driving uh, for continuous improvement. Um, it's not just managing that one project, but it's also, you know, again, getting that data to, to know that if I have a similar project coming up, I can be more predictive of how it's going to go, make sure that I have the right resources, uh, and so on. So uh, project management is going to be around for a long, long time. Brian, what is your thoughts about uh, a PMO, um, and when do you think that they add value versus uh, when do you think that they have to take a back step? When you um, have to uh, uh, coordinate work efforts uh, with greater than one uh, group, that's where PMO comes into play. Um, to make sure that we get you know everything aligned and we're we're hitting schedules. Um, there's been uh, you know shoot uh, be another hour. I could probably list out all the all the programs that wasn't running at T-Mobile uh, because we didn't have the right program management in place. Right. Uh, so you know, in some cases, you know, folks you know undervalue their project management, uh, but uh, you know, I will say. Also, I've seen issues where when it was absent uh, and things, you know, uh, hit the ditch, you know, the first group that gets called is the PMO group to get them out. So, heroes wear capes. Yeah, you're kind of like, uh, the PMO is like kind of the AAA of the enterprise, right? <laughs> Problems, but, uh, but yeah. Well, I think the, you know, the, the reason why you normally get pushed back on a PMO is one, um, I, I've seen a lot of organizations uh, inappropriately use program management. Uh, and what I mean by that is a program manager isn't there to schedule meetings or to do status decks um, solely as that responsibility. They are a contributing member of the team. In some cases, they're in the lead position to make sure that everybody is getting their tasks done in, in, in the right order so we can stay on time, on budgets, and, um, you know, within the scope of the, of the program. So if people embrace what the, a program management office can do and it's set up the right way, the value that it brings to an enterprise is, is, um, is huge. Uh, for the ones that just want to do status decks and all that, you're going to set yourself up for failure. And you're just adding a bunch of overhead that no one wants. So, what would you like us to do for the community? One of the um, powerful things about um, being part of this organization, uh, very much like a, a master's class, is in, embracing the opportunity to engage your peers. Um, try to understand, you know, 
you know, have discussions. How do you solve a particular problem? How would you look at it in your industry? Um, what challenges are you seeing, you know, you know, within your company? Um, get some ideas. Leverage that network is, is super important. Um, so that's, you know, the, you know, the other thing, um, or that's the, the key thing for me. And then, um, you know, just for, for program managers in, in general, um, uh, you know, whatever business you're in, um, you know, invest in knowing that business beyond your discipline. Okay. That just gives you more, more perspective, a broader viewpoint, um, maybe guides you a little differently in how you would run a program. Um, I think that's important as well. Yeah, that's great. I agree. Brian, uh, Jayanti told me that um, you're, you were wonderful and that I would have such an amazing experience meeting you. And I want to thank you so much today. You really shared um, such a depth of your personal experience and your history. And you've brought a lot of your wisdom to, to this conversation and shared it with the folks who are going to be listening. And, and um, I just really appreciate that. Thank you so much for your time and, and for, for giving back to the Puget Sound EMI community and, and just the, the other people who will be listening. Thank you. Uh, no problem. Thank you for the uh, opportunity to talk to both of you. Thank you, Brian. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. You can visit the Puget Sound Project Management Institute website at pugetsoundpmi.org for more information on local project management events and education. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. And if you have any questions or suggestions about this podcast, please email us at marketing at pugetsoundpmi.org.